Welcome to the MedTech Talent Lab, the number one catalyst for advancing careers and building high-performance teams. Sponsored by the Anthony Michael Group, helping companies secure in-demand talent in regulatory affairs, quality, clinical, engineering, R&D, and other areas for medical device, digital health, diagnostics, and other organizations across the U.S. life sciences sector. Here's your host, Mitch Robbins. All right. Hey, hey, LinkedIn community and the MedTech Talent Lab podcast followers. How are you? It's Mitch Robbins, your host. We are back with another live episode. Uh, if you're tuning in for the first time, this is the MedTech Talent Lab podcast, where we talk all things talent related uh, within the MedTech industry day in and day out. So each week we're here live on LinkedIn at 11 o'clock Pacific or sometimes five minutes late each and every Wednesday. And then we also run a uh, recorded version where we interview leaders from the industry on all things talent related as well. Uh, joining me as always is Adam Soppy here, Principal Talent Advisor from the Anthony Michael Group and our good friend Shandon Hayes and uh, Nick Swig. Nick is the Director of Talent Acquisition at Collegium Pharmaceuticals. Shandon is uh, doing her thing as a talent acquisition consultant to the medtech industry for differing companies. But uh, today's topic, guys, we were talking offline how we could probably go on and on about the nuances and details of this. But I think there's so much value that we're about to unpack. And, and the topic is how to get the most from your ATS. Okay. And so I think that there is a wide spectrum here. There's organizations that may be listening to this that are working from an Excel spreadsheet. There's companies that may have a, you know, multi hundreds of thousand dollar rollout of a ATS with all the bells and whistles. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you're using. The point is, how do you use what you have in front of you as efficiently as possible to get what you need as quickly as possible so that you can hire and onboard talent for your organization. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So guys, welcome to the show. How's everybody doing? Doing great, Mitch. Right on, right on. So let's start with explaining an applicant tracking system, right? Applicant tracking system. In essence, it's a way of recalling data quickly to be able to call or reach out to candidates for jobs that you may have open now or in the near future. And then once you've talked to these people, how do you file away vital information about them so that you can recall it down the line? Right. And so I'm going to throw it out to Nick and Shandon. Give us, I guess, give us your experience. What's been this? I, I mentioned this spectrum from spreadsheet to Cadillac of systems, right? And everything in between. What's your experience? What have you been used to? What do you use now? Let's kind of start there. Well, I would say up until more recently, I've always looked at the ATS as kind of a necessary evil because for the most part, a lot of the systems were designed by software engineers that had never been involved in recruiting a day in their life. And so recruiters, hiring managers, interviewers, candidates are always trying to duct, duct tape and tinfoil the thing to, to meet their needs. I think there's a lot of newer systems that have really taken the recruiter's perspective, the candidate experience perspective, the interviewer's perspective into consideration as they develop a next wave of ATS systems. So I think there's a, a wide range of systems for every company. And I always start with the requirements, right? And clearly documenting what do I need this system to accomplish? And as you were kind of introducing the topic, right? You made 
a point that some companies are quite large. Um, and I've come from a company that was hiring on average 27,000 people per year. And you can imagine the critical requirements are around the integrations, the data flow, because when you're trying to hire that kind of volume, you've got to get as much of it automated as possible. I'm lucky to say I'm in a unique situation where the volume is much lower. And so I was able to put a lot more emphasis on the candidate experience, the interviewer's experience, and really find a system that allowed for both of those to be quite positive. And although it means maybe a little bit more heavy lifting when it comes time to entering new employees into the HCM, I think it's more impactful to have a system that meets those other requirements at least in my organization. Nick, I want to ask you this. You mentioned, hey, when we look at systems, we want to kind of work backward and say, what do we need this thing to do? How would you define that now? If I asked you, Nick, bottom bottom line this for us, what do you feel like an ATS at the end of the day needs to be able to do? Well, I, I think it depends on the organization. So first of all, you need to look at the company objectives. At my company, one of the core objectives is making sure it's an equitable and inclusive interview process, right? And so thinking about what are the systems that are going to enable that kind of a recruiting process to eliminate bias through the interview process, to uh, drive equitable compensation, to evaluate our success and our failures as it relates to talent within those different different demographic groups moving through that pipeline. So you've got those high-level business requirements at the same time you know, we're, we're a commercial company. We're selling products. Sales is a big piece of our uh, sort of recruiting focus because without sales, well, none of us have a job. And people living with uh, chronic illness won't have the therapies that we have to offer. But then you move down to what's happening in the market. And I think looking at 2021, everyone was talking about the candidate experience as being absolute king. 2022 as well. Uh, that has throttled back a little bit with some of the, the layoffs and whatnot that have happened. I personally feel it should always be a, a focus of your requirements. But I think you have to really drill down what are the organization's core requirements? What, are, what business are we trying to execute? And then you get to your recruiting process to think about the types of things you're going to need built into to an ATS to leverage that technology to allow you to work efficiently and effectively across the organization, whether it's communication of, of things like salaries to finance or getting their approval, um, getting computers set up through IT, whatever that might be. You really got to go through and talk with the different departments and the department leaders to understand if I could give you everything you would want in a system, what things would it accomplish? And then you distill all those requirements um, into kind of a, a general map so that as you go out to start looking at systems, you know what questions to ask and you know how to effectively evaluate each of those systems. It's way more robust than I'm uh, even comprehending, I think, in terms of the integrations. I understand, you know, there's a variety of integrations that the ATS has to talk to within especially as you get into bigger companies. But for me, I'm thinking of kind of bare bones. I want to track my notes on the people that I talk to. I want to track where they're at in the process. I want to track their resumes so that everybody kind of can see it. Clearly, there's way more to it. When you talk about diversity and inclusion and how I don't even, comp to be honest with you, I'm probably naive to this. I don't understand how the ATS affects that aspect. Can you, can you touch on that? Because otherwise, I'm going to leave this uh, conversation curious. Yeah, so um, I, I would say one of the things that we've done and uh, the software we use 
And I, I, I don't know, like, are we allowed to share the names of the software I'm using? Please do. Yeah. If you guys have recommendations of things that you've had good experience with, go ahead. Yeah, I guess that's good experience. I don't want any defamation claims. Uh, I use Greenhouse Recruiting. Um, I use it here. I just implemented it. I also implemented it in my last company. And it uses what they call a structured recruiting process. So what that simply means is during the intake discussion, you take time with the hiring manager to put pen to paper on what are the specific attributes we need to measure in each of the candidates throughout the interview process. So what are the skills? What are the competencies? What are the qualifications? What are the values and leadership behaviors? What are those core details that need to be assessed? What leads somebody to be successful? Once we've got that list together, we build that interview plan. So we're going to pull Susie in for 45 minutes, Joe for 30 right? Who's going to be involved in what order? And then you contextualize those key attributes to each of those interviewers. It doesn't make a lot of sense to have your senior director of IT assessing a candidate's ability to adhere to FDA regulations. But it might make sense as far as the cybersecurity piece. So you want to make sure each interviewer knows what they're focusing on through that interview process. And by providing interviewers key attributes to assess, it allows for that more structured approach so that you're not getting that gut feeling, right? The gut feeling is where bias has a tendency to creep in. You're actually looking tangibly at key items as you're going through and assessing them. So that's typically how we leverage our system to try to eliminate things like bias and make sure we we get the kind of diversity at the end of the funnel that, that we can. And just a quick disclaimer, any names that are being uh, utilized today in terms of ATS, nobody, the show's not sponsored. Nobody's here being paid to speak on behalf of an ATS. This is purely opinion and one's own experience. And so thank you for that, Nick. Shandon, talk, if you would, about data recollection as far as how have you historically, you and your team, been able to put things in and quickly get to what you need the next time uh, that type of position comes up? Yeah, you know, and I think that when you're looking at an ATS and like you talked about, Nick, what do you need it to do? There's four primary buckets. One is process. Another's candidate experience. Data is huge. And then transparency for the whole hiring team. Data can be applied in so many different ways. You know, on the on the DEI front, there are a good number of applicant tracking systems now that can actually help to pull that data for you in your funnel so that as you're going through these structured interview processes, do we have a tendency where One group has, you know, we see them flow through at a greater rate than others. So there's that something as simple as, and I know that my previous team, if they hear this, they will roll their eyes and rue the day that I ever brought this up. But getting a quick live snapshot of where your pipeline is at, not like, well, I sent the manager 10 people. It's like, yeah, but they rejected all 10 of those people. Let's dig into why. Here's what's active and what do we need to do to move it forward? So, and, you know, for recruiters, recruiting leaders, you can use this all the way from like the nitty gritty minutia of a specific job rec to higher level trends. Like one of the things that we don't often look at in a hiring process is approval times. Most people, they need to get a rec approved, a job rec approved. They need to get offers approved. And and those add time to the 
process, that's when we like it with offers, we have a tendency to lose candidates to other to other competitors. So there's so many things that you can do with data and you can find out what are we doing well that we can replicate somewhere else and where are the bottlenecks that we can address issues. So I'm going to push you a little bit harder. I think that's great high level overview. I want to know more about so Ab and I can kind of share you know, our opinions of what we're doing in our own organization as far as data recollection quickly. I want to know more about how do you guys do it? Do you tag people? Do you have codes? Do you, you know, let's say you have a quality manager job today and you interview 45 people. Are they tagged for the next time? How do you, what do you do internally to be able to get back to a data set very quickly within a huge system? of hundreds of potentially hundreds of thousands of people. And this is where you've got two distinctions. You've got an applicant tracking system and you've got a CRM. There are two separate, what I'll call functionalities in terms of what you, again, what do you need the system to do? So oftentimes I find that, and when I was, when I was, you know, in an agency or when I'm doing a lot more sourcing, having a CRM and being able to go back and like find those people in the system, like, hey, this was my silver medalist for job one, two, three, four that we filled six months ago. Like that's a functionality in the system that I have right now is I can put tags on people. Disposition, I'll call them codes or reasons why people weren't selected. Like I'll have somebody that applies to job A, but man, they're a much better fit for job B. That allows you as a recruiter to go back into the system and find that talent. That's a bit more of a CRM functionality, and some ATSs have it, some don't. I find that there's usually a way to duct tape one or the other. But for the applicant tracking piece, it's really looking at the live data sets of open recs and then being able to pull hiring trends for specific managers, groups, things like that. I don't know. But thoughts, Nick? Yeah, I was going to refer to the applicant tracking system as really the the reactive recruiting component, right? And and that is what admittedly most companies think about when they think about recruiting. They're not worried about the proactive recruiting. They think about, we have a need, we need to post it, we need to find somebody and hire them from the position. That's what an applicant tracking system is designed to do. It's not designed to recall data effectively. I, I don't think I've ever come across an ATS that does that well. And so to Shannon's point, most of us also have a CRM, uh, I mean, Customer Relationship Managers, the original acronym, I call it Candidate Relationship Management Software. But the reality is that's where you can start to build out your capacity to to number one, continue to communicate with that pool of talent. And then number two, recall it when you need it. I would say probably the biggest mistake that I've made in selecting a CRM is too many bells and whistles, right? So I, I am a tech guy. I get so excited. I'm like, Tommy boy, you've all seen that scene. What do you get? So excited. And when I see the kind of automated drip campaigns that you can program in and all this, these fancy bells and whistles, I get really excited. But here's the problem. The reactive recruiting takes such a high percentage of our time every day that what I find is the more complicated a CRM you have, the less talent we ever add to it. Because if it takes me 15 minutes to add a single candidate, I, I just don't have time for that. Well, the words of my father ring in my head, keep it simple, stupid, right? And I've really found that to be true. So like Shandon 
Uh, we put together some fairly basic tags. I also code them based on location, department. I can code them based on a specific job, although I try not to do that because, you know, remember, I'm going to be recalling this talent two, three, five years from now. They might have been a director of quality today. They're not that tomorrow, right? So that tag is more quality leader, right? And I'll assess in that moment what their uh, level is. And I really think I want to emphasize again the communication piece because it's not enough just to dump a bunch of talent into a CRM, but you have to communicate. You have to keep these folks engaged with what your company's doing. Um, I don't mean blast, you know, here we're hiring these 10 jobs. Do you know anybody? Because let me assure you, nobody cares about that email. But, you know, Snap a picture when you're doing, you know, a community service day and you're stocking the shelves at a food pantry or whatever it might be. And, and share those moments, the actual moments that we're experiencing as employees with our prospective candidates. I always go to the CRM first when I'm sourcing. That's immediately the first place I go because they're warm leads. They, they've been introduced to us. They might have interviewed with us. But I, I think there is a big difference between an ATS and CRM because an ATS is just not set up for that long-term relationship management piece. Thanks for the clarification because like I said, it's kind of naive on my end. In my head, it was one in the same where that that's everything. And I, and Shannon, to your point, it sounds like some of them do that where they'll have that dual functionality. But are you guys saying that you've been in places where you're, you're literally having to manage both systems? Now, do they talk to each other? Can you put if something you get, in one and it shows up in another? If you get a CRM, that's as you're like in on the corporate side of things, it's a nice to have on, you know, if you're on a search firm side of things or if you're in a more uh, mature organization with your hiring processes, it's a gotta have. And there are ATSs that kind of build that. And I mean, whether they're the, the big well-known names like Bullhorn or Greenhouse, lever, but also some of the smaller ones that are up and coming because those ones can actually be even more powerful because they're hungry for that. They're hungry for the feedback. And so it's easier to get close to their dev teams and get get the functionality that works for you. So I haven't worked in a while in, in an organization that's had a, a CRM or program that has really a CRM functionality that's designed for recruiting and hiring. But, wow. This is really, I mean, genuinely, yeah. this is surprising to me because right? I'm thinking, because so how would you guys, if I asked you on a percentage basis, how much of your historic placements as within the companies that you've worked have come from people that at one point or another had contact with the organization, what do you think it would be versus, you know, brand new cold uh, who came in for that specific job somehow? I think you'd find two very different answers. If somebody's using a CRM that they've had in place for some time, I think you're actually going to see a fairly high percentage to the tune of like 30, 35% coming from those warm leads. I don't think many companies invest in the proactive recruiting. And for that reason, a lot of companies do not have access to a CRM. Sometimes it talks with the ATS, depends on how it was set up, whether they're able to be integrated. So, And that does impact whether or not it's effective, because if I can click a button in my ATS and send someone directly to the CRM, again, keep it simple. That's super simple. If I have to download a resume, then go to another system, find that resume, upload it, fix the, the data that didn't parse correctly, right? that's all burning time that... Again, with companies not investing in proactive recruiting, I have to find the time to invest there. 
But I, I have seen environments where we do use a CRM effectively, where the higher rate could be as high as 30, 35% versus zero if you're not using one. I think most of the time it's pretty low though, because the other component too is on recruiter workloads and the the recruiters that you have and and their training. We've all talked about a CRM is basically building your network, a really comprehensive network where you can take a lot of notes in case you forget, like some of us as we're getting older. Um, I have to put everything in my system or else it's really hard for me to remember. So it depends. I would love to see it move towards more proactive recruiting. But the fact of the matter is, if you're a recruiter, and if you've got 75, 60 recs on your desk, you don't have you don't have the time. I think uh, I speak for Adam as well. I'm about to fall off my chair. I, this is like shocking to me. It <laughs> yeah. really is. I feel like there's such missed opportunity for organizations as far as the recall of this data and instead of reinventing the wheel every single time. And granted, I get it. Like, look, you've got 15, 20, 30 different functions that you have to recruit for. And you've got to, you know, nurture this data and nurture this data. But to think about that, some companies don't even have any of this. And, and it's astonishing to me, to be honest with you. It really is. Uh, it's worse than what you think, because not only are they not taking advantage of a system as far as the, the talent they might be running through the interview process. Does anyone keep in touch with the alumni? Because those alumni have people in their network that might be a fit and they're uniquely qualified to make those recommendations having worked at the organization. Are you keeping track of every intern that comes through the door? Because for example, we just hired two of our interns. One was from three years ago, one was from four. Right? So are you doing the things to be able to, to take, to get value out of those different pools of communities? Most companies, I would can't say no. So you know, I could go on and on about this because now I'm passionate just thinking about all the missed opportunity that companies are having. But coming back to this ATS piece, okay, so let's put the CRM aside for a minute and talk about the ATS, which we really don't have experience with. If, you're, if we're not really talking about the functionality of the CRM component, we don't have experience with this. I've never been on the inside. So Shandon, you mentioned, I think you mentioned four pillars. You, I think you said data, trans, transparency. What were the other two? Um, so... Your process, obviously data. I'm a big fan of data. Transparency for the hiring team. You've heard me say it once. You'll hear me say it again. Hiring is a team sport from your approvers to the interviewers to the hiring manager and the key, you know, the key decision makers. But then that all feeds into the candidate experience. So one of the things that your ATS, it's 2023, y'all. I'm going to say this word that's really foreign to a lot of people. It's called automation. So you can really leverage your ATS, even the older, basic, barely functioning might get sunset in the next three to five years. There is automation that you can use to bring that high touch experience to your candidates, to your hiring teams that doesn't require a lot of extra time on your part. So so give an example of where automation can be leveraged that for people who are like, huh, what are, you, what are you talking about? How would it be leveraged efficiently? So I think one of the big ones that more and more ATSs have integrated is on the scheduling component. I think every single person, uh, all four of us have had the headaches of scheduling and oh, getting this person lined up with this person and your ATS can integrate or, you know, most many ATSs can, they can integrate with your 
calendar. And then similar to something like Calendly, you can, at the click of a button, you can set it up with a template that goes out to the candidate saying, hey, I'm so excited to move you forward in the process to interview with so-and-so. Here are some time availabilities that work best for them. If one of these works for you, here's how you go. And then boom, it gets scheduled. Everybody gets a confirmation. It goes on the hiring or interviewer's calendar. It goes to the, you know, the candidate. Um, sometimes you can even set it up with reminders for the interviews. Like, hey, just wanted to wish you luck. Your interview is tomorrow at two o'clock. If you have any questions, let me know. That's all things that you can set up in your ATS or many of them, I should say, not all of them have that functionality, but it just requires you as a, I'll say as a recruiter from a recruiter standpoint to move this person forward, click a couple buttons, let it go. And think about the candidate experience improvement, right? So your recruiter calls you, we love your background, we want to move forward in the interview process, you're going to meet with five people, here they are, here are their job titles. That person gets an interview agenda in an hour or a week. What are the different reactions to those two outcomes, right? If it's taking somebody a week to manually schedule versus here's the information, we're going to schedule it and, and bang, you're off to the races. Um, another area I think every TA leader should be applying to four of their jobs per year, because if that experience is annoying as heck, fix your application. Because the number of applications that can take 30, 45 minutes, an hour, it's absurd, right? So, and, and have the same experience. Apply on your phone, apply on your laptop in different places. One of the things I have found regularly is I struggle sometimes uploading my resume. I don't know if it's something to do with the resume or the PDF, but I, I get errors all the time. So I made the decision not to require a resume in our application so that at least someone can get their application. I can always email them after the fact, hey, can you pop me your resume or your LinkedIn profile? But why are we requiring things if, if we can deal with that after the fact? So you know, keep it to 60 seconds or less. If, if you can't get through an application in a minute or less, you're losing candidates. Yeah, that's some data that I'm actually that I'm actively tracking right now is what what Nick's talking about is the application abandonment rate or the application success rate so that you as a PA leader can figure out, hey, these are where the problems are. And is it coming from a specific source? Are we having these issues coming from Indeed or LinkedIn? Are these primary um, sources of not only candidates, but hires? Right. I was going to say, this is a really humbling experience to be the host of this show and really feel out of my element with this topic. I, <laughs> I, I really, I really truly do. And I'm sitting here thinking about questions that I want to ask you guys. It comes back to the heart of what this topic is, how to get the most from your ATS. And you guys have talked about some of the pillars that are you know, important to look for. But what are you analyzing? Talk more about what you're analyzing. If you came into a new organization tomorrow, and they had an ATS, what are the things that you're looking for first? And what are you looking to figure out how to optimize? Oh, feedback, feedback, feedback. So I look at candidate feedback, hiring manager feedback, interviewer feedback, feedback from everyone to understand how are we doing? Do they have the level of transparency as one of Shannon's pillars that she mentioned? Do they feel like they know what they're going into these interviews assessing? Or do they feel like, you know, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do here. 
Um, are they getting the information they need? I think that is the critical piece. And you want to be careful about a system that meets all of your candidates' needs, but it drives your interviewers insane. Because if your interviewers aren't enjoying that recruiting and that interview process, your candidates won't either. And there are systems out there that will deliver positive feedback from all of the stakeholders you could assess. I, I have one of them. And I never in my career thought I would be getting compliments on an ATS. Again, my perspective has always been it's a necessary evil, but here I'm getting compliments from candidates, from hiring managers, from interviewers. It really is exciting that technology has taken us to a place where we can actually achieve things that we need to achieve and make it a positive experience doing so. What do you mean by feedback, 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 feedback as far as how their feedback about using it and what they think needs to be improved? Or are you saying feedback that is in the system? Uh, feedback on the system itself. So not candidate feedback from an interview, but rather, uh, did you have access to the resume, the interview guide, the job description, the scorecard? Was it clear? Did, you, did it make sense? Did you understand what questions you should use in order to assess the key attributes that you had been assigned? Were the attributes that were assigned appropriate given your background and, and knowledge? Did you have technical difficulties? Um, all of those things really help us to figure out, is this system easy to use? Is it a positive experience for, for all of those stakeholders? And, you know, and I'm actually, I'm in that spot. Nick and I are both fairly fresher in our organizations. Nick's got my dream ATS. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. It is up there with my top functionalities and everything that I could want. I have a great ATS that we work with. It's not one I'd ever heard of before. It's kind of an ATS got some other performance aspects of it. And they've done a nice job setting it up. But one of the things that I've been doing over the last several weeks is looking at that utilization. So before I'm even going out and like I'm starting to get a little bit of feedback here and a little bit of feedback here, are we using it? Do people know it exists? Do people know that they're supposed to use it? Because more often than not, the feedback that I have heard is, is frustrations with utilization from all users and users meaning from approvers to recruiters to HR to hiring managers, interviewers, applicants. I ask my applicants for feedback too. So are people utilizing it? Are they understanding the capabilities? And again, going back to what do you want it to do? Can it do that? Or can you figure out some sort of a workaround to make it do that? Because it's amazing how often times that's the case and we don't take the opportunity to put in the work. And then internally within a company, have people been trained on how to use it? So you might have all the bells and whistles in the world, but if people don't know how to use it, if it's not easy, if it's not intuitive, eh, you're not going to have very good adoption. I think that's probably one of the, my biggest takeaways from this is, is the easier you can make it, the actual, the more efficient it's going to be. Even if they have all these different features, it really doesn't matter because think about the hiring manager side, you're trying to just track them down to interview a candidate, let alone all the, you know, clicking of the buttons and the populate this field, populate that field. Like it's making me sick to my stomach just thinking about that. So I think if it's something that's really streamlined, like we do this and then you do this and then, you know, there, bing, bang, boom, it sounds sounds good to me. I think where it starts to get complicated is it depends on the, the type of uh, visibility you want, right? 
with regards to your data? What do you want to be able to see? What do you want to be able to track? And maybe what it is, is that certain ETSs have the functionality for those who are going to leverage it and need it within the company. And the rest of the people who are partnering with the hiring team don't need to know about that. They just need to know about the, you know, the one, two, threes that that they got to take care of. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. And you can generally customize all of that with most of the systems as, as far as visibility And um, it's a lot of work to think through strategically what level of transparency is appropriate, um, what is too much, what isn't enough, and to really define what are those key roles of those users who are going to be working within the system. But then having the flexibility to make one-off decisions because life doesn't always follow the, the theoretical perfection, right? So for example, um, as luck would have it, the sister of someone I work with here is in the interview process. I had to purposefully blind that person so that there would normally be transparency. I had to remove that transparency just to make sure that the level, the playing field was level for all of the candidates, right? So I think it's helpful to have that level of granular control, but I agree 100%. You know, the similar it is from a user perspective, what I would say is that there is an enormous amount of complexity around the design, the thoughtfulness that go into some of these simple systems. They, they aren't simple because they, they're just built simply. Uh, they're designed to be simple. And we have a weird situation here where Q1 is a busy quarter for, for our organization. So they asked me to hold off on the training. I went live on my system at the very tail end of last year. And I thought, oh, yikes, I'm using this system every day. How can I do that for a whole quarter without training anybody? But what's amazing is to see users get into the system, figure out how to use it. And I'm over here scratching my head like, how did they even know how to get into the system? I didn't even tell people how to get in right? But that's a key metric to, to evaluate is are people able to get through it um, intuitively? Uh, but that's by design. That, that's never by accident. Yeah, this is good stuff, guys. It really is. And it's probably a multi-episode uh, topic, like we were kind of joking offline before. Nick, I love, I want to call out one other huge takeaway is go through your own applicant application process and see if you get mind boggled, right? How does it feel to you personally? And I think that gives you the majority of the feedback you need right there is, okay, what is this process like, you know, from somebody else's perspective Then I now know firsthand. So good stuff, guys. Listen, if you've been here with us live on LinkedIn, if you have any questions that you want us to address right here and now, we're more than happy to drop them in the comments. We'll tackle them. If not, thank you for your time and attention today. If you guys listen to this back, we hope that it's been helpful. As always, please drop us a line if you'd like. You can send any of us a DM of what type of content you'd like us to cover here on the show. We are here on Wednesdays, 11 o'clock Pacific and 2 o'clock Eastern live on LinkedIn. And make sure to check out all the other episodes of the MedTech Talent Lab podcast wherever you consume content. Guys, thank you for being here with me as always. And uh, stick around for one minute, see if there's any comments. I'll say happy on- International Women's Day while we wait for those ch- comments. Yes. I was going to chime you, in. I feel bad that I'm not wearing purple like Nick in honor of uh, International Women's Day. I've joked with my wife in the past, isn't every day Women's Day? And she's like, yeah, that's the right answer. So Nick is repping. Uh, I am not. I feel bad about that. But to Mitch's point, too, I've never taken more notes during one of these shows than today. This was really eye-opening. I definitely think we should have another show about it, especially piggybacking into the CRM, because Mitch and I see it from one perspective, almost like a necessary evil. 
and there's so much inside or that should be inside, you know, like real time update from me. My first call this morning was about an ATS that didn't show the all clear. So the, the, the person, the internal TA person who I love, she's awesome. She's like, Hey, we might need to push this guy's start back, start date back. And so there's a functionality issue. Like, well, I don't know that that's it. The system didn't tell us that. So that's a problem. You kind of garbage in, garbage out. But the other thing like that really, you know, from Mitch and I perspective from the outside, we'll do a full 90 minute, 60 to 90 minute intake meeting with the hiring managers and the TA person. What are you looking for? We find out what you, what you need for this new role. Hey, is there anybody internally that could step up and do the role? Whatever else, we flush it out. We go out and, and, and recruit and we find the perfect person. We're like, holy cow, this gal or guy is the epitome of what they're looking for. Hey, have you ever applied for this you know, role or interviewed or applied in the last 12 months? No. I think I applied with them like three years ago, but I've never heard anything back. Got ghosted. You present the candidate and they're like, oh, they're in our system. <laughs> and, and it's like, hey, we don't want to pay you a commission. More so than that, it's like your system is failing you. This person is perfect for your job. And either your ATS didn't tell you that or it didn't integrate with your CRM to tell you that because you didn't even need to post this and go through all the, the hoopla. The winner is right there. If your system would have spit it back to you, I mean, holy cow, like to Mitch's point, I almost fell off my chair a couple of times throughout this this yeah. conversation. It's it's really eye-opening. And I really appreciate the insight you guys both shared. All right, guys, thank you again. Wishing everybody a great week. And uh, we'll be back next week uh, with another topic all about talent. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the MedTech Talent Lab podcast. For more content-rich episodes, log on to theanthonymichaelgroup.com or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform.